Welcome to the Declaration Podcast. We want to thank you for joining us. We pray that today's message encourages you and blesses you. If you'd like to connect with us, please visit us at declaration.org. Hey, good morning, Declaration family. We are so glad that you have decided to be a part of this worship experience, this digital online experience with us this morning. We cannot wait to be back together. But you know what? For now, we are counting our blessings. We are good to go. We want to also thank so many of you who began to join in from all over the nation. It was really cool this week. I know I heard from there were some people in Kentucky. There were some people in Oregon. There were some people in California that I've heard that have been a part of our online experience. So, man, welcome to you guys as well. Right now, everybody give a big virtual high five. Maybe if you're sitting next to your family, hug them, high five them, and just welcome home to Declaration this morning. We're going to be in the book of John. And uh, as we get into the book of John this morning and kind of just uh, set up our story of where we're going, I want to tell you a story that I know I've probably shared before with uh, our family here at Declaration, but I want to I share it with all of us one more time because I feel like it's a, it's, a, it's a perfect way to help us maybe understand some things of what we're going to be talking about today. It was May of 1998, um, two months to the day that my dad had turned 57 years old, that I got a phone call. It's the phone call you never want to hear. And my dad had had a horrible heart attack and uh, was on his way to the hospital. And we spent 11 days there through the ups and downs of, of the fight. And, um, and on May 5th of 98, again, two days to him turn, or two months to him turning 57 years old, my dad went to be with Jesus. And that was a defining moment in life. It was a time that I, I knew in that moment life would never be again the way it was. Um, I could feel this tsunami, if you will, this aftermath coming that was, uh, it was like a crushing weight that I began to wear. And, you know, when we were in the hospital with him, um, I don't think I had time to consider what does the other side of this look like? What if, what if dad doesn't make it? You know, what, what does life look like? It's never going to be this. I didn't have time to really contemplate that. And it, as, as hard of a moment as that was, it's probably actually the hardest thing I've ever walked through, losing my dad at, at, at that age that I was, and, and honestly, at the age that he was, pretty young. And, and of course, we grieved and we mourned, um, as is fitting to do in that situation. But I knew that there came a time that I was going to have to have a new perspective. I was going to have to see differently about the situation that I was in um, and honestly, it's a situation I didn't want to be in. I didn't want to be a part of, oh, you lost your dad at a young age club, right? Like, I, I, didn't, I didn't want to imagine um, going through my wedding and not having my dad there, um, having children and not having my dad there, my kids not knowing my dad. I didn't want to do that. And honestly, I, I knew that, that as, um, as we, <laughs> the day that he passed away, we were so exhausted uh, we were in Conroe, Texas, which is about 30 minutes from where we lived. We were so tired, we literally walked across the parking lot of the hospital and got a hotel room, and my whole family just kind of piled into one room, and, and I had a pallet on the floor, and I remember laying there because everyone was so tired, everybody just kind of finally just fell into sleep, and, and I laid there by myself for a little bit in the quiet, and, and honestly, I knew that things were now forever different. There was, a, there was an aftermath coming, and... And I knew I needed perspective. I knew I needed to start looking for where I could see God moving and working. And um, I think that's exactly what was happening in our passage this morning from the book of John, chapter 20. Um, I think that's exactly what took place with those that were following Jesus um, post-crucifixion and post-resurrection even. In fact, let's, let's look at it together. John, chapter 20, starting in verse 11. 
says that Mary Magdalene was standing outside of the tomb of Jesus crying. And as she wept, she stooped in to, she stooped down and she began to look into the tomb. And she saw these two white robed angels, one sitting at the head and one other at the foot of the place where the body of Jesus had been laying. Dear woman, why are you crying? The angels ask her. She says, because they've taken away my Lord. Um, she says, I don't know where they put him. She turned to leave and she saw someone standing there. It was Jesus, but she didn't recognize him. So right there, just in four verses, I want you to take note what happened. Here, here we have Mary. She's having this supernatural encounter and, and she's, she's not even seeing it. She's, she's so focused on the misery of her moment that she's not recognizing that she's literally having a conversation with angelic beings, right? Um, th- these angelic beings are there and they're, they're actually offering her hope and she's not seeing it. At least scripture's silent about it. We don't see much that scripture says about that. It just, I read to you what it says. There's no drama there. There, there was never a, and greatly afraid, like we see in other parts of scripture. For example, remember when Jesus walked out to the disciples on the water and, and they were gripped with fear because they thought they were looking at a ghost. None of that is descriptive in this section right here. That's not what happens. Here, all we have is Mary. She's hanging out at the tomb. She's mourning her loss. She's staring and she's really seeking after something that's natural, right? She's seeking the body of a dead man. And in grieving her loss, Mary's not even recognizing that she's having a conversation with angels. And even more ironic, she's not recognizing Jesus himself. I mean, he was the one that she had come to visit, even though he was supposed to be in a grave. She came to grieve at the grave of Jesus, and here he is, right there in front of her, alive, and she didn't recognize him. And, and as I think about this story, and, as I, and just as I think about that moment, I think about us, where we are right now in life, and if we aren't careful, I think, right now, if we aren't careful, in the aftermath of all of the grieving that's going on right now in this world, of all of the grieving over our loss right now, we just may miss something supernatural if we aren't careful. We, we may miss some hopeful encounters with Jesus if we're not looking. We may miss something that God is doing or something that God deeply is desiring to do. I mean, you know, considering our situation right now, I truly do believe this. I believe that God is at work even in the midst of this COVID chaos, this crisis. I think that God is at work. And so the question becomes, can we recognize God as he's moving in this moment? You know, can we see God moving? What is our perspective? Now, listen, please don't hear me. I'm, I don't want to minimize the human loss. I don't want to minimize, that's not what I'm doing. But I'm just saying, listen, if we aren't careful, too many of us will find ourselves just like Mary, um, and, and we will find ourselves standing outside of tombs seeking dead things and not realizing the hope that we have in resurrection. Now look what Jesus asked Mary in verse 15. He says this, he says, dear woman, why are you crying? He says, what, who are you looking for? And, and the scripture tells us that, that Mary thought that this was just a gardener that she was speaking to. Well, Mary obviously needed some different perspective. Obviously, yes, her world had been shattered and now here she is grieving at the grave of a man who is not dead. And in her grieving, she is seeing the very one who, who basically she had come to see and he's standing right there in front of her. You see, I think some of us may right now, we may be, 
we may think that everything that we once knew, everything that we have worked so hard for now is dead, and so we grieve. Some of us, we may look at the news, at the economic forecast, and we grieve. Some of us, we, we may look at politics and politicians, and we, we grieve. Maybe that's just me. I don't know. You know, some of us, we may look at this current situation that we see, and we, we see the, the numbers of the sick and, and even the death toll, and we grieve, rightly so. And we may think that life as we knew, everything about life as we knew it is dead, and we grieve. But let me ask this. Has, has God stopped raising dead things to life? That's the question. Has God stopped raising dead things to life? We need a new perspective. So this is what Mary says. She says, sir, if, if you have taken him away, remember, she thinks she's speaking to this gardener. She says, if you've taken him away, tell me where you've put him and, and I'll go and I'll go get him. And so even right here, obviously, Mary is still not seeing it. She's still not cluing in. She, she, I'll say this, she's at least focusing on Jesus, but she's focusing on a dead Jesus, not a living Jesus. Now listen to me. How many of us in our faith claim Jesus, but we're, the Jesus that we claim honestly is powerless. He's, he's not able to move. He's not faithful. He's, he, we, we act and function as if, he's, as if he's not even alive, as if the resurrection never happened. Even as we begin to stare and survey so much loss, this is the way we're operating. And so verse 16, Mary, Jesus says, and the scripture says, even at the mention of her name, when he calls her name, obviously she turns around and cries out, Rabbani, which in the Hebrew means teacher. So she knows exactly who it is. By the sound, instantly, by the sound of his voice, she knows who it is. Now, full disclosure, everybody, just so if I'm being honest, here, here's what I believe I heard from God this week. I believe God was speaking to me this week as I was grieving at some graves, all right? Just to be honest, just to be honest. While we grieve at the graves of our past normal, God is still on his throne and he's calling our name as if to say, wake up, look around, look at me, look for me. Why grieve at the grave of something that's not dead? I mean, do, do, do we have the hope of the world or is our hope in the world? It's a great question. We need to focus on a living Jesus because our God is not dead. He's not dead. As we survey everything around us too quickly, I'm just afraid that, that, that some of us, we've decided that there is no hope. I mean, again, honestly, man, I, I've had the moments. This, this week was hard. It was a hard week for me. I'm just being honest. I had some grieving moments. Man, Wednesday was rough. And, and just as it's been a hard week, I think for me, it was a hard week for many of us. And I totally get it. We, we, we're grieving what's going on in our world. We're grieving the loss of our normal. We're grieving um, our kids' lives being turned upside down. I'm grieving my kids' lives being flipped upside down, my wife's life being flipped, flipped upside down. I'm, I'm grieving the loss of seemingly silly things like baseball, right? I mean, come on. I'm, I'm grieving the loss of Kelly and my vacation that we were supposed to be on. Lame, I know, but join my pity party for a minute. Just, just you know, that struggle is real. And I'm, you know, maybe we're grieving the loss of our economy and, and what all this has done to so many families and what this is costing so many families and, and our savings accounts and all these things. I'm grieving our church and not being able to be with everybody. You know, grieving the unknowns and the what ifs. It's been a hard week. And, and, and so I'm afraid that, that too many of us, we've decided to just go ahead and grieve at the graves of our losses. And some of us has even decided to stand there and just stare at the tombs and weep as if there is no hope. I mean, 
Why do I say this? Well, I heard some statistics this last week. Suicide rates are skyrocketing. They're skyrocketing. Alcohol, drug, and pornography use has taken a dramatic incline over the past 40 days because we're grieving things that we perceive are dead. We're not looking for what's alive. We're we're grieving and we're trying to self-medicate this grief. We're not searching and seeking the thing that's alive, which is in Christ. We're, We're grieving and searching in our natural. We're focused on what we perceived that we may have lost while not looking for what is alive. We need a different perspective. So what are we seeing? What are we searching for? What are we looking for? Who are we looking for? Just as Jesus asked Mary. Because see, sometimes we can't trust what we're seeing and we may need to just start listening. Notice when Jesus confronts Mary, even though she doesn't really see him, because remember, she's looking for him to be dead, but then he calls her by name and she hears him. Verse 16, Mary, he says, and she turns immediately and cries out and calls him teacher, Teacher, she finally sees Jesus, but it's not until she hears him call her by name. And maybe right now, if you're like me, it's sometimes hard to see Jesus in the midst of this corona thing. It's hard to see, God, where are you? Where, where, I know I'm trying to believe with everything I am that you're working, God. But where are you? Especially when we feel surrounded by nothing but loss and fear and death. You know, maybe even we can't see how God is moving, so we just need to stop and begin to listen and listen for him because I'll tell you this, listen to me. He's here. He's here. He's with us and he's working. He's with us as we are weeping and he is with us and I believe he's just waiting for us to lift our eyes and look for him. We lift our eyes up to the hills. Where does our help come from? Our help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He's waiting. Of course, when Mary sees him, she reaches out. She wants to hug him, right? I mean, that's, that's so, so many of us feel that pain right now. I mean, we're thinking the same thing, man. We're thinking, we're feeling that pain of separation and quarantine. And man, we just want to reach out and hug those people that we love. I've seen people post about that. Like, I can't wait because I'm going to hug everybody, right? And, and we, we just want to be near those that we've been separated from, of course, right? And so Jesus, he says, don't cling to me. I've not yet ascended to the Father, but go find our brothers and tell them, I'm gonna ascend to my Father and I'm gonna ascend to your Father. He says, I'm gonna go to my God and to your God. I love how inclusive Jesus is in this. More than saying, don't hug me, more than saying, don't hold on to me, he's saying, don't get too comfortable. I'm not here to stay with you in the flesh. I have not yet ascended to God, but I will. But right now, stop grieving and go tell everyone. Go, don't grieve, go declare hope. Don't grieve, go declare peace. Don't grieve, go declare life. And I think that there's a picture in that that we probably need to take to heart. Mary Magdalene, verse 18, she found the disciples and she tells them, I've seen the Lord. And then she gives him, she gives them the message that Jesus gave her. And just imagine her joy, imagine their excitement and their joy. See, listen, maybe Maybe as we're looking at this whole thing, maybe we need a different perspective. We need to change our perspective. Because listen, God has not left us alone in nothing but loss. He's very much alive and he's with us. So let's keep going. Verse 19. That Sunday evening, the disciples were meeting behind locked doors because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. Um, You know, so here we are. uh, Jesus 
the, the resurrection had just happened. Now it's evening time. Disciples are behind the, the locked doors. They're afraid of, of the backlash. You know, we aren't afraid of the Jewish leaders right now, but we are behind locked doors afraid of a virus, right? And scripture says the disciples, they're meeting there behind these locked doors, afraid. Suddenly Jesus just appears. He's just standing there among them. And he says quickly, peace be with you. And I love this because it makes me, it gives me such comfort. I hope it gives you comfort. As we are grieving our losses, as we are locked up in our houses, as we are shackled up sometimes in fear and panic, Jesus is right here declaring peace over each and every one of us. Look what he goes on to say in verse 20. As he spoke, he showed them the wounds in his hand and in his side, and they are filled with joy when they see the Lord. They're filled with joy. Can I say this? As much as we may need a new perspective, maybe some of us just need some proof. We may need some proof. It's the second thing I want you to see. So many people want proof. So many people may say, yeah, you may have faith and all that, but understand, as we're about to see just in a little bit, Jesus, man, he'll meet you wherever you are. He will meet you wherever you are. Verse 20, as he spoke, he showed them his wounds, and he says, peace, peace. And they're filled with joy when they see the Lord. Now listen, maybe in order for us to see God at work today, maybe we need a little bit of proof Maybe we need to be reminded of things that God has done before in our past. Moments where we know he has carried us, he has walked us through situations. I can tell you, there are so many moments about the loss of my dad that that I know, but for the grace of God, there's no way we could have survived that moment. And those are the moments that I've got to look back to and recall the faithfulness of God, recall the trustworthiness of God, recall the rightness of God of God, the goodness of God. Maybe we just need to be reminded of how God has worked in the past because let me say this, if he did it before, he can do it again. Say that with me right where you are at home. If he did it before, he can do it again. Again, if he did it before, he can do it again. See, our morning can be turned into dancing again. There will be a new daybreak, a new sunrise, a new breakthrough we will find a new normal. We will recover. Even though, listen, even those who have had to truly face the most horrific of losses, maybe you've lost family members. I have friends that, that even right now, they're losing family members to this horrible disease. So please hear me. Even in those moments, man, you can be fully immersed and covered in the peace of God. God will strengthen you. God will give you hope. I believe right now Jesus is offering so much hope all over this world and God will give this to you and you can still even have joy even in the worst, even in the darkest night of your soul, you can still have joy. Listen, there is an aftermath to all this. There is an aftermath and some of that aftermath is tough. But listen, and please take heart with, take heart. Listen to the words of 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 1 through 8. I'm just going to read them over you. I think this speaks for itself. For we know that when this earthly tent we live in is taken down, that is, when we die and leave this earthly body, we will have a house in heaven, an eternal body. That means a forever body made for us by God himself and not made by human hands. We grow weary in our present bodies and we long to put on our heavenly bodies like new clothing. For we will put on heavenly bodies, we will not be spirits without bodies. While we live in these earthly bodies, we groan and we sigh, 
But it's not that we want to die and get rid of these bodies that clothe us. Rather, we want to put on our new bodies so that these dying bodies will be swallowed up by life. Man, that is so good. I want you to hear that. We yearn for the the new heavenly body so that this dying body, body would be swallowed up by life, not death. That's so hopeful. God himself has prepared us for this, it says. And as a guarantee, some of us need proof, as a guarantee, he has given us his Holy Spirit. God, he sent us his Holy Spirit as the promise. It says, so now we are always confident, even though we know that as long as we live in these bodies, we are not at home with the Lord. For we live by believing and not by seeing. We live by believing, believing. And yes, we are fully confident. And we would rather be away from these earthly bodies, for then we will be at home with the Lord. See, we need some perspective, even in a physical death and and, and all of our bodies will die at some point. Listen, even in that, there is hope. There is hope. We are not gonna be swallowed up by death, but more so because of Jesus, we are gonna be swallowed up by life because we know as Jesus showed us and promised us, without a death, there is no resurrection. So we may grieve at some graves, but we grieve with the promise of hope and peace. We can have the assurance of eternal life in Jesus Christ. Because of Easter, we can have confidence that, that, that in the death, that, that in his death, he, he brought death to death. Does that make sense? Let's go back to the book of John, verse 21. Again, here's Jesus just declaring peace over people. And he says this, he says, as the father has sent me, he said, I am sending you. It's right here that we see there's, there's a greater plan at play in all of this story that we've been looking at all through Easter. See, Jesus lived and loved these people and they followed him. Jesus was tortured and they ran. Jesus died and was buried and they grieved But watch this, Jesus rose again and they're filled with joy, but that didn't necessarily change their present circumstances. Of course, Jesus being alive was amazing, but they still had great fear of these Jewish leaders and the backlash of being a follower of Jesus. So Jesus declares peace over them multiple times and then shows us that through all of the pain, there was a plan. And he said it, as the father sent me, so I am sending you. As the Father sent me, so I am sending you. Do not miss this. See, no matter what we're going through, everybody, no no matter the pain, no matter the fears, we can have peace in Jesus. We can believe that God has a plan. And more than a new normal, we probably need a new perspective. And some of us may need to think back and remember all that God has done in the past because we may need some proof. Remember, if he did it before, he can do it again. Thomas needed proof. We call him Doubting Thomas. Verse 24, one of the 12 disciples, disciples, Thomas, nicknamed the twin, um, he was not with the others when Jesus first came. They told him, we've seen the Lord. But he replies, man, I won't believe it until I see the the nail wounds in his hands and, and put my fingers in them and I place my hand into the wound in his side. See, Thomas needed proof. Eight days later, the disciples, it says, they're all together again. This time, Thomas was among them. The doors were locked, but suddenly, guess what happens? Jesus appears, and he's standing right there with them, among them. And he says again, peace be with you. I'm sure he keeps having to say this, because he just keeps popping up into rooms and freaking everybody out, right? I mean, that messed me up a little bit. But verse 27, he says, he says to Thomas, he, he, he goes directly to Thomas. Thomas needed proof. And he said, hey, put your finger here and look at my hands. He says, put your finger, put, put your hand in the wound on my side. 
He says, don't be faithless any longer. Believe. Listen to me, everybody. Man, we don't have to be faithless. We believe. We can believe. He says, my Lord and my God. That's what, that's what Thomas said. And then Jesus says, you believe because you see me. But he says, blessed are those who believe without seeing me. So man, listen. Do we believe that God is at work? Do we believe that God, do we believe that God has this? It's, it's all in his control. Do we believe that God's for us? Do, do, do we believe that he is our hope? Um, that, that in him we can have strength and peace? That, that, do we believe that he has a plan, even with all this, this, this chaos that we feel surrounding us? If we need proof, just remember who God is. Look back, look back to so many story after story after story of all the things that God has done. And then think about your own life, your own story, your own testimony of what God has done throughout the years of your life. Remember how, how he has, he's moved so many mountains in the past and believe if he did it before, he can do it again. I mean, lift your eyes up for him. He's present. Change your perspective. Change your perspective. And if you can't see him at work, just really begin I'm just, God, I'm believing you for this. It's like the prayer, God, help me in my unbelief. <laughs> I believe, now help me in my unbelief. I'm believing you for it because listen, God does have a plan. Let's wrap up. I want you to see this last point. Considering the season that we're in, even the pain that we are experiencing, many of us, some far greater than others right now, even in, even in all of this, there's purpose in it. There. God is gonna use it for such great purpose. Look at verse 30 and 31. I love these two scriptures. It says, the disciples saw Jesus do many other miraculous signs in addition to the ones recorded in this book. But these are written so that you may continue to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing in him, you will have life by the power of his name. See, I've learned that that many times that, that God will use the brokenness of this world to reveal to us our need for the world to come. Let me say it this way. God, God can use every horrible, horrible situation and somehow still redeem it. It's what Romans 8 talks about. He's gonna work all things together somehow for the good. Somehow he's gonna work them together. Even the things that the enemy meant for evil, somehow he will turn them for our good. See, and while he's revealing to us his kindness, his goodness, his faithfulness, and the unfathomable, incomprehensible greatness of it, he's gonna reveal his kingdom to come. Many times God will use the brokenness of this world to show his strength. You know, um, going back to just my dad's story, I needed perspective um, Man, it was a hard, it was a hard thing, hard thing to walk through. And there's still times, even, gosh, 22 years later now, 22 years ago, that happened. There's still moments that, um, yeah, that's, that's just a little bit of a raw feeling every now and then. But I'll tell you this, I was so thankful today that God showed me that, that he used even my most horrible moment in a redemptive way because I was sitting at a restaurant with a friend of mine and this man walked up to us and I'd noticed he'd been staring at us for a while and it kind of freaked me out to be honest a little bit, but he walked up and I thought, oh, here's my day. Here's where it happens. <laughs> now I'm over. But um, he walked up and he, uh, 
He said, man, I just, you, do you remember me first? And I was like, man, I'm sorry, I don't. And um, he goes, well, I'm Don. He said, I was there. And, but you know, something about when he started talking, I knew I knew the man. I knew I knew his voice. And he said, I'm Don. I was the guy that was with you, and I was the nurse that was helping your dad the night that he passed away. And immediately, I was like, of course I know you. You know, he had lost some weight. He had spiked his hair up. He had worked out, obviously, because that's why I was kind of freaked out, because he was really muscly, and I thought, oh, I'm, I'm a dead man. But, um, and he goes, man, I just want you to know, you'll never know, you'll never know the impact that your family had as I watched you walk through a really, really horrible moment. He said, man, because of you guys, literally, and I, and I don't, this isn't us, this is the Lord, but, but he said, man, I've given my life to Christ. My fiance is a Christian and we're gonna be married and, and man, God's just absolutely changed my life. And see, in that moment, I could see, man, all of the horrible hardship, the pain of, the, of that process, all of it. You know, it, it didn't, <laughs> did it make me wish, of course I wish my dad was still here, but at the end of the day, man, God used it for such great, purpose. I could see the hand of God even in that moment. And I had the hope that, man, I know that I'll be with my dad again. I'll see him again. My dad loved Jesus. And, and, and I, man, I couldn't imagine going through life with that, without that kind of assurance. See, I believe this coronavirus pandemic thing and all that it brings, I believe God will use it to draw many people to himself. Now, if you will just, just listen to me and hang with me because we're, we're about to close. What we perceive as horrific, I believe God will turn into harvests. I really do. We're seeing it right now. All over the world, you know, it's, it's like, it's funny. We, we close down the physical church buildings, but then the church just becomes to, I mean, it just goes viral. Um, I'm hearing count, I mean, I'm hearing things like there are stores that are selling out of Bibles because so many people are seeking God right now. I'm hearing from people who are seeing just massive numbers of people come to know Jesus through their online presence. It's incredible what's happening. So, so we're seeing a situation that really is hard, but God is using it for harvest. I, again, I don't, wanna, I don't wanna appear to minimize our struggle because some of us, man, we've got a lot of pain. We, we've experienced so much loss, so much hardship. I, I'm not even saying that it's bad to grieve at some graves. I mean, remember, in the moment of Jesus, Mary being at Jesus' grave, he didn't rebuke Mary. He didn't do that. He met her right where she was and, and, and he offered her hope and he offered her peace. So I'm not saying that it's bad to grieve at some graves. I'm just saying that we have to open our eyes and see that there is something greater at play here, something supernatural. There is a shaking taking place in this world. And while one perception could be that the aftermath of this moment we find ourselves in will be absolutely atrocious, there is a God perspective at play here that I want us to see because I believe the, after, the aftermath of this could just be an awakening. That's what I believe. I mean, remember, the aftermath of Jesus' crucifixion seemed that all was lost for three days. The grief, the fear, the, the, the hiding, the anguish, the questioning, the panic, the, the anger, the doubt, the emptiness, the loneliness, the loss, the pain, the, the feeling that, that death had completely just swallowed everything whole, only to be completely shaken and changed instantly at resurrection. You see, the aftermath of resurrection was revolution. It would change literally 
everything. God had a plan. And in that plan, there was such deep divine purpose. And in that purpose, we find our purpose. Look at the two verses one more time. The disciples saw Jesus do so many miraculous things in addition to the ones that we have in this book. There were so many things that were not written, but the ones that were written were written so that we may continue to believe in this Jesus, this Messiah, this son of God, and that by believing in him, we would have life eternal, everlasting by the power of his name. You see, our life is not dictated by our possessions, what we have or don't have, what we think we have or don't have. Our life is not dictated by our comfort, by our security, by our health, by our way of life, by our bank accounts, by our jobs. Our life is not dictated by any of those things. Life, true life, is dictated and only truly realized by a belief in Jesus Christ. That's it. We may need a different perspective. We may even need some proof. We may need to spend some time remembering how God has worked on our behalf, how he's worked even when we couldn't see it. We may need to keep in mind that God can and will use this moment for such great purpose. Many will come to know him because of this hardship. And and even as we endure our own pain, look for how God will use this for his purposes and just begin to pray and wait. And let us not forget that what... Let us not forget what Jesus told his disciples. Remember, as he was showing them his wounds in verse 21, he said, peace be with you first. So we know that we can have peace in our hour of need, in our hour of fear, in our hour of grief. We can have peace. But then Jesus said something that I really pray that all of us are taking heart. Man, take this home with you. This is the takeaway right here. This is what he said. He said, as the father has sent me, so I am sending you. That's what Jesus said. See, there's a mandate in the moment that we're in right now. He is sending us. We are here for such a time as this. We are here for such a time as this. Please listen to me. Please listen to me right here because I really believe this. God is sending us as agents of awakening in this aftermath. He is sending us as agents of awakening in this coming aftermath. Our God will use us. He will use our trials, our pain, our hardship, our our circumstances, our suffering. He will use our story, our testimony. He will use our heart. He will use our hands. He will use our serving, our giving, our offerings, our sacrifice. He will use our love and our compassion. He is calling us as agents of awakening in the aftermath. Let's pray together. Father, thank you today for your goodness, God. Thank you that even as some are struggling so deeply, even as we grieve many things right now, God, would you give us your perspective? Would you awaken us? Would you help us to see, God, how you are moving in this moment? God, would you help us to see how we can join with you in how you are moving Would you open our eyes to see and open our ears to hear, God, as this whole world is literally shaking right now. May we see how you are shaking it for your glory. And Father, may we respond to what it is that you desire for us in this hour, we pray in Jesus' name, amen.